We are living in extraordinary times. The Elohim of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the creator of heaven and earth, has been giving us signs of the times. Are you awake? Will you listen to his voice? The time is now. As the darkness of this world increases, so must the children of light wake up to righteousness and shine brightly as never before. Will you hear the call of the Most High? A war is raging for your soul. Will you listen to his word and overcome? Hey, shalom, and welcome, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Parable of the Vineyard. My name is Adam, and I welcome you. Tonight, we're going to be talking about a very interesting and important topic. Are you rapture ready? And honestly, why most won't make it. Today, everything we're going to be going over is going to be in article form here at parableofvineyard.com. I will leave a link for you. The reason I do this is because... Well, it's basically all my study notes. It's all the scriptures we're going to talk about, um, everything in article form. So that way, just in case I go a little too fast or you want to go back and review something that I said, everything will be uh, listed out here for you. So let's actually get right into it. So the rapture, uh, are you rapture ready? And some might say the word rapture is never mentioned in the scriptures. This is true. However, many biblical stories, we see an escape for the righteous, the ones who heard the call from above and were in fact ready. Does this mean the whole church, every believer in Messiah, is whisked away secretly at any moment? More importantly, what will history say about you when the time comes, or me, any of us? Will you make the cut? Will any of us make the cut? According to scriptures, most will not. And we're going to be talking about that today. So, for many are called, but few are chosen. This came from the mouth of our Messiah, Matthew twenty-two fourteen. So, for the duration of the study, we'll be using the word escape instead of rapture. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because Elohim had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased Elohim, Hebrews eleven five. We find an immense blessing by using, calling upon, singing, and praying using the Hebrew names. You just heard Elohim. You're like, what's Elohim? Elohim is the Hebrew word for what you know as God. Uh, you're going to be seeing this YHWH or Yahuwah. This is the Hebrew name that we understand uh, for the Father. And then you might see the name Yahusha. That's the Hebrew name that we understand as the Son of Elohim, our Savior. So just in case you're new and you're like, what's he talking about? Um, that's why we do this. So anyways, continuing on in the study. By faith, Noah, being warned of Elohim of things not yet not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. So Enoch heard the call. Noah heard the call. They were ready. They escaped. Abraham was delivered from Nimrod. And you might be like, what, what are you talking about? Well, a lot of things have been hidden from you, brothers and sisters, that we're going to be sharing uh, tonight. And anytime you see red letters like this, it's going to be a clickable link. I would love for you to go back to this article, click on this link, and read about Abraham being delivered from the clutches of Nimrod. any case, Moses and all of Israel from Pharaoh and Egypt, the angels could not bring destruction to Sodom and Gomorrah until Lot escaped. How about Elijah fleeing from death and being snatched up to Elohim? Let's not forget Jacob, David, Gideon, Samson, and many others were delivered. What are these stories teaching us? Time and time again, the righteous, those who hear the call of the Most High, those who obey his ways, they are delivered from the impending destruction. And Yahweh shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Psalm thirty-seven forty. Some might say deliverance or an escape doesn't apply to the end times great tribulation. Let's test that. 
For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. I think it's easy to say Messiah here is talking about the great tribulation. All them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Luke 21, 36. Even though we may have inherited many lies, our Messiah never spoke any falsehoods. He's talking about the great, great tribulation here. And he's saying, watch and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass. Matter of fact, let's pray right now together as an assembly. Heavenly Father, Most High, we just thank you so much for sending your son, Messiah Yahusha. And Father, we thank you for the teachings that he brought. And Father, we just ask that you help us to follow in his footsteps, to walk as he walked, as he commanded. And Father, we just ask that you bless us with your Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, uh, to help us understand your words as we study them tonight and in the future, Father. Because we want to be a body ready, waiting, and anticipating the return of Messiah Yahusha. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, so even oh, so here let's keep let's keep going. So the prophets foretold this as well. The, as well, the the prophets foretold this escape as well. For thus says Yahweh, behold, the end is come. Behold, the day of Yahweh. Although the rod has blossomed, pride has sprung up, and will break the staff of the wicked one, and that not with tumult nor with haste. The time is come. Behold, the day. Let not the buyer rejoice. Let not the seller mourn. For the buyer shall never again return to the seller. Neither shall a man cleave with the eye of hope to his life. Sound ye the trumpet and pass sentence on all together. There shall be war with the sword without and famine and pestilence within. He that is in the field shall die by the sword and famine and pestilence shall destroy them that are in the city. But they that escape of them shall be delivered and shall be upon the mountains, and I will slay all the rest, every one for his iniquities. Ezekiel 7, 9 through 16. So he's talking about the end here, the end of the world. And he's talking about a group of people that will escape. That was Ezekiel 7, 9 through 16. How about Isaiah? For behold, Yahweh will come as fire and his chariots as a storm to render his vengeance with wrath and his rebuke with a flame of fire. For with the fire of Yahuwah all the earth shall be judged, and all flesh with his sword. Many shall be slain by Yahuwah. They that sanctify themselves and purify themselves in gardens and eat swine's flesh in the porches and the abominations and the mouth shall be consumed together, says Yahuwah. And I know their works and their imagination. I'm going to gather all the nations and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory. And I will leave a sign upon them. And I will send forth them that have escaped of them to the nations. There's, there's going to be a group of people that is going to escape, and then he's going to send them back out to the nations for a mission to Tarsus, to Fud, and to Lud, and to Moshach, and to Tobol, and Greece, and to the isles afar of off, to those who have not heard my name, nor seen my glory, and they shall declare my glory among the Gentiles. Isaiah 66, 15 through 19. So, real quick note, this, this whole study is geared to prepare you and or your family if that's applicable to the return of messiah that you would be ready at his coming for the escape quick note most of us have been taught that all foods have been declared clean which would include pork or swine pig and i would highly encourage you to test what you've been taught by the doctrines of men our mission is to get you escape ready so he literally says right here that when he comes back people that are eating pork he says, not me, shall be consumed together. So I'm asking you, did the creator of heaven and earth make a mistake with this scripture? Did he make a mistake? Or was, is, the, is the prophecy wrong? Anyways, this is a quick playlist. There's four short videos. They're about 10 to 15 minutes in length. Uh, really goes over the doctrine that we can eat anything we want to. Um, Obviously, I believe that's incorrect. So anyways, that's for another time. So throughout this, throughout this study, there's going to be links for further study on topics. I'm going to be lightly touching many topics, and you can do further research at your discretion and as the time allows. So through the prophet Daniel, we see the same thing. 
And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which stands for the children of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as was never was, since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time your people shall be delivered. So this is talking about the great tribulation. I don't think anyone can deny uh, what this is talking about. So I just clicked on this uh, link right here, delivered. This is going to take us to the Hebrew word that was used, malat, which means, oh, escape or deliver, to slip away, escape, deliver, to save, to be delivered. So you can see what this is talking about. So he's saying right here, there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time, your people shall escape everyone that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. But you, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. So what does the time of the end look like? Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. I just have a sneaking suspicion here that we're at that time right now. That was Daniel 12, 1 through 4. So we were called to watch and be ready. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard and hold fast and repent. What does repent mean? To ask the Most High for forgiveness of your sins, knowing that you've transgressed his ways and that he, he loves you so much that he wants to free you from these things that he sent his son to offer up himself to free you. Thank him for that. Repent. Get on your knees. If, therefore, you shall not watch I will come upon you as a thief, and you shall not know what hour I will come upon you. So he's saying there's some negative things that are going to happen if you don't watch. We're called to look around and be like, hey, what's going on? We're called to read the scriptures and compare with what's going on in the world and be like, hey, um, something's going on here. Messiah told us plainly that if we aren't watchful, which is looking for and anticipating his return, discerning the signs of the times, we would be caught unaware and perhaps not ready at his arrival. And that is not what I want for me, for my family, or for any of you out there that calls upon Messiah for salvation. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So they're like, oh, yeah, life is grand. You know, we're going to be prideful. We're going to do whatever we want. And woohoo, sin. Gone. See ya. That's it. Over. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken, and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken, and the other left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your master does come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched, and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be you also ready, for in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man comes. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master has made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. What's the moral of this, uh, this story here is, hey, if you're not watching, uh, you're going to be caught unawares and it's not going to be good for you. But if you are watching and you're diligent and you're doing the things that he told us to do, uh, waiting for his return, you're going to be blessed and richly rewarded. Messiah did boldly proclaim no one would know the day of the hour. However, Paul alluded that those who were watchful would know at least the season. Like, oh, this is, we're in the season of his return. But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of Yahuwah so comes as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety... If you're talking about the world, the world continuously says peace and safety, peace and safety, peace and safety. We got to unite as one. Then suddenly destruction comes upon them as travail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of the light and children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep 
sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For Elohim has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our master, Yahusha the Messiah. Again, this is the Hebrew name of our Messiah is the best that I understand it. First Thessalonians 5, uh, 1 through 9. Also, it mentioned here, you are all children of the light. I accidentally wrote this down here on accident. What does it mean to be a child of the light? We will answer that just a bit later. So let's briefly talk about the signs of the times. We could, I could spend the next four or five hours just talking about these signs that the Most High has given. But I'm going to quickly just pass through them. I think most of you might have an or might have heard about most of these, but just in case you haven't, I want to spark a little bit of interest in you to research your research it yourself to see indeed that we are in the last days. So Messiah said this in Luke 21, and there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon. And in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift your heads for your redemption draws Nice. So he's letting you know that he's like, hey, I'm going to give you signs in the sun, the moon and the stars. Craziness is going to be happening on the earth. Distress of nations with perplexity. Uh, men's hearts failing them for fear. Do you know anybody that's like just fearful of everything that's going on in the world or it's coming? If you've been paying attention, the creator of heaven and earth has been giving us sign after sign. And I'm only mentioning just a few of them. There's actually a lot more than I'm about to mention. So are you awake yet? This is something that was very instrumental for me. Uh, this is about the time frame I started waking up. And when I saw this, I was like, whoa, did you know that there was four blood moons back to back? Passover, Sukkot, Passover, Sukkot. If you're not familiar with Passover and Sukkot, these are... Uh, the feast days that the Most High outlines that his people should celebrate. So like Messiah celebrated the Passover, he celebrated Sukkot and the other feast days. That's for another time though. Um, but what's interesting is that back to back, so we had it spring of 14, fall of 14, spring of 15, fall of 15. This is called a blood moon tetrad. The moon turned into blood as it's, it was prophesied to do. This massive sign was a precursor to many thousands waking up to the truth. And if you didn't know, in this time frame, 2014, 2015, a huge amount of people came into faith um, and into the full truth, which we'll talk about here in a second. Uh, what about this? Solar eclipses that intersect and make the olive toff. Uh, there was a massive solar eclipse in um uh, August of 2017 that cut right through America. It went through seven Salem's, no coincidence. And then you had the eclipse uh, earlier uh, th uh, this year in October. And then you have the one that's coming in April of 2024. And these make the Aleph and Tav. If you're not familiar, the Aleph and Tav is, uh, is the Hebrew of the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Is this marking did this mark the beginning of the tribulation, the end of the tribulation? Uh, the, or the, I'm sorry, the beginning of the tribulation? There's a lot of speculation, and there's a lot of information out there. Again, I'm just briefly letting you know that these solar eclipses are just no coincidence. You can see there's actual structure. It literally makes the Aleph and the Tav, these two right here. So absolutely amazing. So this is a, these are sign, this is a signs of the moon, signs in the sun. And how about the stars too? No coincidence, a sign in the heavens that matched Revelation 12, 1 through 2 perfectly. And if you didn't know, uh, September 23rd, 2017, there was an alignment in the heavens that literally matched Scripture, Revelation 12, 1 through 2 perfectly. Uh, if you want to learn more about this, uh, you can do so here um, on the Parable of the Vineyard channel. Uh, you can just, uh, where do we have the Revelation 12 sign? Uh, well, you can just look up Revelation 12 parable of the vineyard and you'll find it. Any case, <clears throat> so no, coinc no coincidences here. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? And Yahushua answered and said to them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Messiah, and shall deceive many. It, it shouldn't 
be too hard to spot this. I mean, a lot of us have seen a lot of the false televangelist movements and the... I mean, all you have to do is honestly open up YouTube and TikTok and you can see all there's all sorts of deceivers that proclaim Messiah but yet lead people down devious paths. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled for all these things must come to pass but the end is not yet for nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom and there shall be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Matthew 24, 3 through 8. So wars and rumors of wars. Obviously, I've just got a little snapshot of the current war that's got the attention of really the whole world at this point and uh, what that's going to turn into only time will tell. Um, but it's worthy to mention that uh, over, really over the last hundred years, we've had massive wars and rumors of wars. Uh, division, the, the nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. It actually says ethnos against ethnos. Ethnicities, we have all sorts of divisions, racial divisions, um, gender division. I mean, all sorts of confusions and just literally tearing at the seams the very fabric of this nation and really the whole world through divisions. Uh, talks about famines. Now, I know it, it's very clear that there's all sorts of famines and hunger. Uh, there's poor and hungry people all over the world, but the famine that a lot of people don't really think about. I mean, they're literally starving people of nutrition through fake foods, GMO foods, altered foods, um, all the, the Monsanto grains. It's just, it's 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 a war. It's a war of famine out there in a very different way. But not only that, when we talk about famines, consider this: Behold, the days come, says Yahweh Elohim, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of the hearing of the words of Yahweh. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from north even to the east. They shall run to and fro, and seek the word of Yahweh, and shall not find it. Amos eight eleven through twelve. So certainly, a lot of people, uh, you know, speak the word of, of the Most High. But I'm really thinking about a, a famine for the word in the churches of America specifically. I don't know what they're like across the world, but I'm the, what I what I've been privy to, uh, I haven't seen from it with my own eyes, is a, a famine for the real word being preached. Uh, from the pulpits uh, of the churches in America. It's typically, and I can't paint a picture uh, across all churches, um, but f the majority, uh, the, the preacher has 45 minutes, he has a verse or two, and the rest of it is like a motivational speech. Where is the word of Yahuwah? Earthquakes. So just in the last, I think what I have, a, a list of the last 20 years, February 6, 2023, Turkey, 7.8 magnitude, kills more than 20,000 people. June 22nd, 2022, more than 1,100 die in a 6.1. August 2021 in Haiti, 7.2 kills more than 2,200 people. September 2018, uh, 7.8 in Indonesia, killing 4,300. April of 2015 in Nepal, more than 8,800 people are killed by 7.8. March of 2011, a magnitude 9.0 triggers a tsunami, killing more than 18,000 people. 2010 in Haiti, over a hundred thousand people are killed by a 7.0 quake. What's going on? And this might bring up an, another side topic. Why does Yah allow such devastation? The straight answer comes from a book that is almost completely unknown to the Christian world, but it's in your Bible. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jasher? That was Joshua 10:13. So our the Bible mentions a book called the book of Jasher, that truth was written in that book. Some would say the book of Jasher we have today is not the authentic one. Myself and a large group of people would disagree with that, in love, of course. So anyways, uh, this is a quote from the book of Jasher. But in the latter days of Methuselah, the sons of men turned from Yahuwah, and they corrupted the earth. They robbed and plundered each other. They rebelled against Elohim, and they transgressed. And they corrupted their ways and would not hearken to the voice of Methuselah, but rebelled against him. And Yahuwah was exceedingly wroth against them. And Yahuwah continued to destroy the seed in those days, so that there was neither sowing nor reaping in the earth. For when they sowed the ground in order that they might obtain food for their support, behold, thorns and thistles were produced, which they did not sow. And still the sons of men did not turn from their evil ways, and their hands were still extended to do evil in the sight of Elohim. And they provoked Yahuwah with all their evil ways, and Yahuwah was wroth and repented that he had made man. Jasher 4, 4 through 7. So it's clear here that he's saying that he did this to them in order to get their attention. 
but it says they still did not turn from the evil. Even more clearly here, and on that day, Yahweh caused the whole earth to shake, right? earthquake, and the sun darkened, and the foundations of the world raged, and the whole earth was moved violently. And the lightning flashed, and the thunder roared, and all the fountains in the earth were broken up, such as was not known to the inhabitants before. And Elohim did this mighty act in order to terrify the sons of men, that there might be no more evil upon the earth. He did this to get their attention, like, hey, repent. So sometimes we need a literal shaking to be like, hey, what are you doing with your life? Where is your life headed? Are you living the life that Elohim has ordained for you? No. Just like uh, with this recent thing with COVID, even just getting people out of their comfort zones and being like, uh, what's going on? Like, what is the, where am I? What's happened to the world that I've always known? It's changing. It's to shake you up. And still the sons of men would not return from their evil ways. And they increased the anger of Yahweh at that time and did not even direct their hearts to all this. So he's sending earthquakes and, and signs in the sun and, and terrible storms and he did this to get their attention, but it says they would not return from their evil ways, and they increased the anger. That which has been is what will be, and that which is done is what will be done, and there is no new thing under the sun, Ecclesiastes 1.9. So basically what's happened before is going to happen again, where history repeats itself. And here we, are, here we are in Revelation 16. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. This is the real climate change right here. And men were scorched with great heat, and blasphemed the name of Elohim, which has power over these plagues. And they repented not to give him glory. He's like, I am going to pour this heat upon you. Repent, please. And they repented not. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues for pain, and blasphemed the Elohim of heaven because of their pains and, and their sores, and repented not of their deeds. It's the same story over and over again. Revelation 16, 8 through 11. So, this is why the destruction comes to the earth. He's to get people's attention. Hey, repent. Turn to me. They still won't do it. Why most will miss the escape. So here, so I wanted to just remind you or stir something up in, with, in you to remind you of the times that we're in. And let's, honestly, this is no joke. Life and death is at stake here. I'm not trying to be overdramatic, but literally, this is life and death. Why most will miss the escape. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, and in your name have cast out devils, and in your name have done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. That's Matthew 7, 21 through 23. So real quickly, he's saying, just because you call me Lord or master, you're not going to enter. That doesn't get you into heaven. That doesn't get you there. So let's reason together. Do unbelievers call him master or Lord? And the reason I'm asking this is because most modern day Christian teachers will say that these people here that don't make it are, are unbelievers. They're not believers in Messiah. So do unbelievers call him master? No. Do unbelievers prophesy in his name? No. Do unbelievers cast out devils or, or do works in his name? Hardly. Messiah is addressing believers in him, quote-unquote believers. He said many will come to him, yet he will deny them. Just because you believe in him does not grant you the escape. Let's actually go back up here. He says here, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. So let's look at this word. See, again, this is red. We can click on it. Let's take a look at the Greek word that was used here. So you Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Let's take a look at iniquity. It's anomia, which means uh, iniquity, unrighteousness, transgressing the law, transgression of the law. So it's the condition of without law. So basically, if you are without the law, that means you are lawless, right? So it does, it's either because you're ignorant of it, which is the, I would say the number one reason why most people are lawless is because they're ignorant that the law is still in effect because of violating it contempt and violation of the law iniquity wickedness this is not what i'm saying this is what your our messiah said he's going to tell people i never knew you depart from me you that work iniquity you lawless person i never knew you depart from me you that work iniquity now here's an interesting verse that 
may make sense. So you're like, well, how do we, you know, like, how do we know him? If he says, I never knew you, how do we know him? You're, you know, you may have some thoughts. Your pastor may have some thoughts. But the scripture, which is what I'm interested in, says this. Here is how we know that we know him. So we're going to get the answer. If we keep his commandments, 1 John 2, 3. It's just that simple. What did he say? Follow him. The scriptures are clear. We know him when we keep the commandments. The same ones he kept. After all, we are called to follow him. Why should we be surprised if we are called to imitate him? How much sense would it make for the disciple not to follow what the master does? If he kept the commandments, so should we. He is our example, after all. Do not think that I came to abolish the law or prophets. I did not come to abolish but to fulfill. So he's literally saying, don't think, don't let it come into your mind that I came to do away with the law. Even though everyone teaches you that, all your pastors, all your teachers teach you that, don't let that come into your mind. Don't think about it. But he came to fulfill. So some people would say, oh, well, this word fulfill means that he came to keep it so that you don't have to. That's actually not what it means at all. So let's take a look at this word fulfill. Fulfill pleru. Pleru, which means to make full, fill up, fill to the full. So he came to fill the law to the full. He came, he came to cause to abound or furnish or supply liberally. So he literally, he came to cause the law to abound, which means get greater, to furnish, supply liberally, uh, to render full, to complete, to fill to the top so that nothing shall be wanting to full measure, fill to the brim. So he's literally came to fill it to the brim. That's actually what um, Isaiah... 42 or 43 said that he came that part of the prophecy was that messiah would come and magnify the law and make it greater to carry through to the end to accomplish to carry out um let's i like this one listen to this to fulfill i.e to cause elohim's will as made known in the law to be obeyed as it should be not to be disobeyed but to obey the law as it should be for those of you that have read your bibles and have read the gospels you'll know that like a, a big part of his ministry was rebuking the Pharisees. And if you actually look a little closer, he didn't rebuke them for keeping the law. He rebuked them for keeping the man-made laws, the man-made traditions that did away with actually keeping the law. Let's take a look at that. Matthew 15. Just real quick. He says... You hypocrites, so he's talking here to uh, the scribes and Pharisees. He says, you hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you saying, this people draws close to me with their mouth and honors me with their lips. So they're like, oh yeah, I love you. But their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And I'm here to tell you that the law of the Most High, the Torah as it's called, is not the commandments of men. That came directly from the Most High. So he says, don't think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. Why do his people say he came to do the exact opposite? That's literally what's being taught today. And I pray you continue to listen. I pray that you're not like, oh, yeah, this is garbage. You know, this is, he's talking about putting me under the law. I'm here to share the truth. And I hope that you continue to listen. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue you in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. John 15, 9 through 10. And also, we have to recognize the Messiah said that his doctrine is not his own, but from his Father, that one that taught him. Because you have kept the word of my patience, I will also keep you from the hour of temptation or trial, tribulation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Revelation three ten. The truth is mainstream Christianity has left the teachings of Messiah. He that has my commandments and keeps them he it is that loves me, and he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. John fourteen twenty one. Right about now, you're probably thinking, well, Adam, the Messiah said that there's just two commandments, loving Yah and loving people. I agree. We're going to talk about that. Please stay with me. Right about now, you may be thinking of some verses Paul wrote about grace seeming to be in opposition to the law. Let's remind ourselves of the only scripture that warns us not to misuse other scripture. 
looking for and hasting unto the coming day of Elohim, which is what this whole study is about, looking to the coming day of Elohim, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwells righteousness. Wherefore, so because of this, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent. So don't be a lazy sloth about it. Be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot. So yes, he cleans us. Let's stay clean. Hallelujah. And blameless and account that the long suffering of our master is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, has written unto you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned, so untrained in the scriptures, and unstable, rest as they do the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. You therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest you also carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Second Peter three, twelve through seventeen. So literally, Peter is saying, Hey, Paul, you know, Paul writes some things that are hard to be understood. And listen, don't misuse them as other people do and don't be led into lawless lawlessness like other people are. Literally, uh, Peter's confirming Paul is a true apostle, but that he writes in a way that, hey, some things can be misunderstood and can lead you astray if you're not grounded and understand the truth. Here are some verses from Paul that you may not even be aware of. These aren't typically quoted in Sunday, Sunday's Sunday churches. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before Elohim, but the doers of the law who will be justified. Like, what? Paul wrote that. Romans 2.13, But this I confess unto you, that after the way which they call heresy, so I worship the Elohim of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and the prophets. Acts 24.14 Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. Romans 7.12 For we know that the law is spiritual. Romans 7.14 So, Anytime the the thought uh, the, the it's brought up, you know, we we're supposed to walk in the spirit. Well, the law is spiritual. What does that mean? For this I say, then walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Galatians five sixteen. What about his most famous passage? For by grace are you saved through faith, and not that not of yourselves; it is the gift of Elohim. Hallelujah! Not of works, lest any man should boast. So literally, yes, we are saved by faith, by grace through faith. Now, what isn't often quoted is the very next verse. For, so this, the, his thought process is continuing, for, so this is connecting to what we just read, for we are his workmanship created in Messiah Yahushua unto good works. So it's like we're saved to be brought unto doing good things which Elohim has before ordained that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. So Paul certainly conveyed the truth that we are saved by grace, yet we are ordained. If you look up this word ordained, it can also mean appointed, commanded, determined, established, ordered to walk in good works, the law and commandments. Lastly, from Paul, do we then make void the law through faith? So he's, he keeps teaching people, hey, we're saved by faith. We're not saved by these animal sacrifices anymore, my brothers. We're saved by faith in Messiah, who is that perfect sacrifice for us. But do we then make void the law through faith? Elohim forbid. He's like, God forbid. Yes, we establish the law, Romans 3.31. It's not some new law. It's the same law. Now, the number one reason most will not enter is lawlessness, straight up. Most will not enter because of lawlessness. Messiah says this, not me. And then shall the kingdom of Yahuwah be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps. These are everything in bold here are key words that most don't understand what they actually mean. Which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They, were, they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom comes. Go you out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go you rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterwards, so people that were ready went in. And then there's another group, who were also his, 
also came other virgins saying, Master, Master, open to us. Right? They call him Master. They call him Lord. But he answered and said, Truly, I say unto you, there it is again, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man comes. Matthew 25, uh, 1-13. The key to unlocking this parable is contained in the book of Proverbs. Now let me say this. Some of you may have some preconceived notions of what you've been taught all your lives, like the, the oil is the Holy Spirit or whatever. My son, keep your father's commandments and forsake not the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart and tie them about your neck. When you go, it shall lead you. When you sleep, it shall keep you. And when you wake up, it shall talk with you. This is starting to sound like this parable already. For the commandment is a lamp and the law is light. Let's pause for a second. The wise had oil in their vessels. And when you have oils, the lamp is able to be lit. And so there's light. And they were able to go out and meet them, meet the master. The ones that did not have oil in their lamps, the light was not able to shine. The commandment is a lamp and the law is light. Furthermore, I want to show you to Leviticus 24. It was the responsibility. Command the children of Israel that they bring unto you pure oil, olive oil, beaten for the light to cause the lamps to burn continually. We have to bring that oil. That oil represents our obedience. That oil represents the pressing. If you didn't know, you get oil out of olives by literally pressing it, smashing it. It does not seem like our lives sometimes we're being pressed to get that oil out of us. But nevertheless, we've got to bring that oil for the lamps, for the light to be burning. Speaking of the law is light. To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Let me pause here really quickly. Because when we think of the word law, we think it's, it's like a negative term. The law. you got to follow the law. Right? I'm here to tell you, for someone who lived according to the world, and according to what Christianity taught that we're saved by grace through faith and really that the law is done away with. So it's like, yeah, they encourage good behavior, but if the law is done away with, like, who cares? Like, I can do what I want, right? I can tell you from being a man that lived how I wanted to live according to the world and how the world taught me and then just being so broken that I finally was able to not be so stiff-necked and hear the call of our Heavenly Father and to come to His Messiah and, and to want to walk as He walked. I'm here to tell you that walking in the law is awesome. It's actually freeing. I've never felt this free, and I've never had this inner joy and peace in my life until I truly came um, to, to the Son of the Most High in repentance, receiving the Holy Spirit and guiding me to a life of obedience, wanting to literally walk as Messiah walked. So it's like, you know, if he kept the Sabbath, well, I want to as well. If he kept the, the feast days of the Most High, like Passover and Sukkot, like we were mentioning earlier, well, I do too. If he ate clean according to the law, well, I want to too. I've never, there was a longing in my heart all of my life that I filled with worldly stuff. I had a good paying job. I was able to buy, for the most part, what I wanted. Nice cars, homes, boats, motorcycles, fancy suits, whatever I wanted. Nothing, none of that ever satisfied me. Even all the other things that they promised that will satisfy you. It never did. Like, this, I'm just, I just want to share a part of my testimony and a witness that the law is not some like, oh gosh, keep the law oh ugh, now what like what's he tell what's he's what's this guy selling me i gotta keep a bunch of commandments and laws oh that sounds like a lot of fun yeah right i'm actually here to tell you it is it's a lot of fun especially keeping his feast days that's another time though anyways to the law and to the testimony if they speak not according to this word it's because there's no light in them so someone who doesn't speak according to the law it says there's no light in them but you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation a peculiar people Mm -hmm. that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, his ways. 1 Peter 2, 9. The lawless will not enter, and this is the number one reason people will not enter or will not escape. The lawless will not enter, just like the rebellious Israelites of old did not enter the promised land after they had been saved by the blood of the Lamb in Egypt. Seriously, just to recap, they were in slavery and bondage, uh, they had the blood of the lamb covering their doors to protect them and their family. 
and they literally escaped. They went in, or they were freed, excuse me, they were freed. And in the wilderness, they were tested. And people who were rebellious and sinned did not make it. Those who were faithful and trusted in him and kept his ways, they entered. I believe in a similar way, we are saved by the blood of the Lamb, our Messiah. And we are now in a spiritual wilderness being tested. And one day, when it's time, time's up. He's going he's gonna to gather his people that are ready, and the ones that aren't, aren't going to go. It's the same story. Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 literally tells us the whole wilderness experience in, in uh, the book, we find, in, in uh, the Torah, from Exodus all the way to Deuteronomy. That whole story is for us to learn lessons from. Take care, brother and sisters, that there will not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living Elohim. But encourage one another every day as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Messiah if we keep the beginning of our commitment firm until the end. While it is said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as when they provoked me. For who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses, and with whom he was angry forty years, was it not with those who sinned, whose dead bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? And so we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. In this passage in Hebrews 3, 12 through 19, we see unbelief is connected to being disobedient, which is connected to those who sin. So that begs the question, what's sin? This is a New Testament verse. 1 John 3, 4, Whosoever commits sin transgresses also the law. It should have continued for transgression. Um, for sin is transgression of the law. It's just, I don't know why that didn't show up. 1 John 3, 4, Whoever commits sin transgresses also the law. For sin is transgression of the law. That's what sin is. As I live, says Yahweh Elohim, surely with a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm and with fury poured out, will I rule over you and I will bring you out from the people and will gather you out of the countries where you're scattered. So this is that, I think this is that escape, right? With a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm and with fury poured out, and I will bring you into the wilderness of the people and there will I plead with you face to face, like as I pleaded with your fathers in the wilderness of the land of Egypt. So will I plead with you, says Yahweh Elohim, and I will cause you to pass under the rod and will bring you into the bond of the covenant. And I'll purge out among you the rebels. What do rebels do? Rebels, do the rebels keep the law or rebels break the law? So I'll purge out from among you the rebels and them that transgress against me. I will bring them forth out of the country where they sojourn and they shall not enter into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am Yahuwah. Ezekiel 20, 33-38. So I believe this is that moment where many would say, Lord, Lord, open to us. And remember, he said, many will come to me that day. When you look at the Greek word that was used for many, that means the majority of people. The majority of people are going to say, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he's going to say, I don't know you. He that commits sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the son of Elohim was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Sin. That doesn't mean he just destroys the law so that that means there's no more definition of sin anymore. The law remains. He wanted to destroy the effect of power that sin held over us. And by his blood, we are cleansed. Our minds are cleansed. Our, our conscience is cleansed. The burden is lifted off of us. We are freed. And he doesn't give us this freedom to just keep going back. We're not supposed to be like a pig that gets washed and goes jumping right back in the mud. We're not supposed to be like a dog that vomits and then eats it back up. The number two reason, most will not enter. The loveless will not enter. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see. Yahuwah, Hebrews 12, 14. The creator of heaven and earth is preparing his kingdom to be inhabited with his people. He has made it clear that people who don't love his or her neighbor will not enter. I don't blame him. Why would he or even you or I want to spend eternity with people filled with hate, contention, strife, debate, slanders, envies, jealousies, etc.? What a chaotic place that would be. Praise ya. I hope to, I hope to, be, to be found uh, uh, ready to make it in. And if I do, I'll be very thankful that he that he's weeded out these people that don't have a love for his neighbor. He that loves his brother lives in the light. 
and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hates his brother is in darkness. There's that opposition right there, light or darkness. That's how, that's how our Heavenly Father rolls. Light or darkness, sweet or bitter, life or death, good or evil, sheep or goat, wheat or tare. That's the separation. But he that hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and knows not where he goes because that darkness has blinded his eyes. 1 John 2, 10 through 11. Whosoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you, and my Messiah said that. He said, you heard it said that you shall not commit murder, but if you hate your brother in your heart, you committed murder already. He who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Hereby, so by this way, we perceive that the love of Elohim, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. 1 John three, fifteen through 16. And yeah, anyways, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So even if this wasn't like a reward thing, and we shouldn't be just keeping the commands for a reward, we should be do it because it's something that pleases him. He says, keeping his commandments are those things that please him in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Yahusha Messiah, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keeps his commandments dwells in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he lives in us by the Spirit which he has given us. First John three twenty two through twenty four. Uh, one of the one of the major major one of the mainstream cop outs for verses like this is people would say, "Well, these are written to Jews, not the church." Come on, you know that's foolishness, beloved. If Elohim so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen Elohim at any time. If we love one another, Elohim dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. 1 John 4, 11 through 12. If a man say, I love Elohim and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he that loves not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love Elohim who he has not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loves Elohim love his brother also. 1 John, that was 1 John 4, 20 through 21. Applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. So what Peter is talking about here is like the maturity of the faith. It starts with faith, and the end should lead to love, brotherly kindness and love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they do not make you useless nor unproductive in the true knowledge of our master, Yahusha. I spelled that wrong. Sorry. For the one who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted. So literally, if you don't have brotherly kindness or love, you are blind and short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choice of you. For as long as you practice these things specifically what I'm talking about here today, brotherly kindness and love, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our master and savior, Yahusha, will be abundantly supplied for you. Second Peter 1, 5 through 11. So love fulfills the law. Is it true? Does love actually fulfill the law? Yes. However, we have to be extremely careful with our definition of love. After all, the world preaches love too. Do we, as in people, determine what love looks like? Or does Yahuwah? Because this is what the world is preaching right now. Right here. Is that love? Because they say it's love. And so you can say, well, that's obviously not love. Well, if we can't trust what the world says love, can we trust what our pastor says is love? What about our own hearts? What we think is love? Is love just like helping your neighbor take out the trash or, um, you know, whatever, or just friendly greeting? Hi, hello, how are you? Is that love? He defines what love is. Oh, no man anything but to love one another. For he that loves another has fulfilled the law. True statement. Here and now, and this is, and this is, it, it's interesting because Romans 13, 8 is often quoted, but 9 through 10 is hardly ever quoted in church. For this, so again, this continues his thought process of that love fulfills the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not kill, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. Let me ask you a question. Hopefully most of you know the answer. What are these, what are these right here? 
These are the part of the Ten Commandments. So he's telling you right now, that's what love looks like. Because seriously, if you love your neighbor, you're not going to commit adultery with him or with his wife or you know whatever that dynamic looks like. You won't commit adultery. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to kill them or murder them or even hate them in your heart. You're not going to steal from them. You're not going to bear false witness against them. You're not going to covet the stuff they have. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love works no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Romans 13, 8 through 10. So our Heavenly Father defines love, right? So Paul connects the love of one's neighbor to what the law commands. This is how we love. For more on this specific point, because there's a lot more to talk about, see this video right here, how to love God and people. Now, here's an interesting little graphic here. Remember, Messiah says, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This is where people quote, you love Yahuwah with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, isn't it interesting that those two commandments, uh, the first one comes from Deuteronomy 6.5, and the second one comes from Leviticus 19.18, literally comes from the Torah, which is called the law. But this gives you an interesting graph of what it actually means, what it actually would look like for all the commandments uh, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Literally, this is what it looks like. So, loving Yah, sure, it's easy because I can just say, I love you. Okay, well, what about those of you that are married? You can just say, tell your partner you love them. How how much is that worth if you don't show it? If you don't do anything they ask you, if you um, don't treat them with kindness or respect, or you don't do the things that they ask of you. Like, what does I love you mean when you say that? Obviously, love is shown by our actions. How much more for our Heavenly Father? We can say, oh, we can sing I love you all day long. But if we're not actually doing it, like, what does that even, what's that, what's that even mean? Um, Ma uh, going back to Matthew 15 here, right? He says, this people draws nigh unto me with their mouth and honors me with their lips, but their heart's far from me. This is what he's saying right here. This is what Messiah was talking about the Pharisees. They're like, oh yeah, we love you, love, love you. But in vain they worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. So literally how we love them is broken down into, so you see here, this commandment here breaks down into the 10 commandments, at least the first four. No other Elohim before him, not making any graven images, not worshiping statues, not taking his name in vain, remembering the Sabbath day. And then there's commandments that get even more specific about not having other Elohim. There's more commandments specifically about how the Sabbath is supposed to work, about what it looks like to not take his name in vain. And furthermore, how do you love your neighbor? Honoring your mother and father, not murdering, not committing adultery, not stealing, not bearing false witness, not coveting. And there's all a bunch of different, more specific commandments of what that actually looks like in practicality of life. So why would Messiah proclaim the two greatest commandments come from a law which is quote-unquote done away with? The truth is, you've been lied to probably your entire life. Yes, the devil is crafty and has infiltrated the church system. It's time to come out of the deceptions and into his truth. Even your pastor, if you're still going to Sunday church, he may mean very well. He may have a great heart. He's been lied to. Going to seminary. Did you know that almost a majority of the seminaries, even just here in the United States, are owned and controlled by the Jesuits. Did you know that? That might be an interesting rabbit trail if you look into. So even these men and women, men that mean that mean well, they're taught wrong too, and they just continue to per, to to um, perpetuate this lie of a lawless faith. Take some time and invest into your future. Your life and family depends on it. Read the Word, pray, ask Him for the truth. Fast if you need to. But the time of ignorance is over. Messiah's return is near. Don't delay. Hear my elect, says Yahuwah. Behold, the days of tribulation are at hand, and I will deliver you from them. Do not fear or doubt, for Elohim is your guide. You who keep my commandments and precepts, says Yahuwah Elohim. Do not let your sins pull you down, or your iniquities prevail over you. Woe unto those who are choked by their sins and overwhelmed by their iniquities as a field is choked with underbrush and its path overwhelmed with thorns so that no one can pass through. It is shut off and be given up to be consumed by fire. This is actually from a book called Second Ezra, which was included in the 1611 King James. It was a part of the Apocrypha. 
Uh, this was considered scripture for a very long time. It was removed out of your Bibles in the mid-1800s with the dispensational movement and the Westcott Hort revision. Anyways, what is this saying? This might be a little harsh, but basically people that are letting their sins overrun them, and overrule them, they're like thorn bushes that are going to be chopped up and thrown into a fire. And that might be super like super scary, but honestly, maybe you need it. I don't know who's listening to this. I don't know who will listen to this, but let's pray right now. If you're if you're dealing with perpetual sin, uh, maybe some habits that you know aren't right and you know the Holy Spirit's been working on you, like, hey, I don't think you should be doing that. Maybe this is the time. Let's pray. Let's pray together right now. Heavenly Father, Most High, we just come before you and bless you in Yahushua's name. We we pray that these words that we've, that your word that we've uh, shared tonight uh, would be received. And Father, we pray that um, any brothers and sisters hearing this that need help, um, Father, would you would you just reach out to them in the name of Messiah Yahushua and reach out to them, Father, and get a hold of their life and help them, give them power through the Holy Spirit. May they call upon you. May they ask for it themselves, but may you give it to them, Father, and give it to them mightily that they, they have the assistance needed to uh, get out of any lifestyle or sin or uh, addiction or whatever it may be in their life, Father, that, that needs to be rooted out. And Father, we just ask this in faith and belief in the name of Messiah Yahushua. Amen. Hallelujah. So if you'd like more information about the truth, I would start here. And this is a playlist right here. Most have no idea of their true identity in Messiah as it has been hidden on purpose. Once you realize who you are, everything changes. This is a playlist called uh, The Basics of the Way. So if anything that I've said uh, may have struck a chord with you, like maybe I, maybe I got some things that I need to research, look into, uh, a lot of these things, this is a 28-video uh, playlist. Some of these videos are longer. Some of them are like four minutes, five minutes. Um, but a lot of your questions, like, what do I start? Like, you know, this makes sense. Um, this playlist may, may truly bless you. So at the end of the day, to recap, I do believe that there is an escape for the righteous. People call it the rapture. Some people call it the second exodus. Some people call it the regathering. Um, some people call it being snatched away, raptured, uh, the net chatef. There's many different names, but I believe that when Messiah comes, he's going to gather the people that are ready, those that have faith and obedience to his ways, right? Whatever that, whatever that looks like in your life specifically, we're all at different points in our life. But I believe that if you're in a current state that you are doing the best you can to walk in his commandments, his laws, his precepts, his statutes, which aren't a burden, they're actually very light and they're very enjoyable to walk in. Um, I believe that those people will escape. I believe that. And I believe that there's going to be a lot of people that aren't going to escape, that are going to realize these things after everything goes down. And I believe a lot of people are going to have to go through some very brutal things. Uh, but that's for another time. Anyways, the point is, I pray that you, me, our families, our loved ones are prepared at the return of Messiah and that are able to escape. I pray that we are worthy uh, to escape all these things that are coming to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Yahweh bless you and keep you. Yahweh make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Yahweh lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom, peace. So with that, brothers and sisters, we're going to end again. Remember, all this that we talked about today is going to be in article form. So if you want to review any of these things, if you have questions, um, please uh, reach out via message or uh, email. I'll do my best to uh, answer it or hopefully maybe someone else in the chat will be able to answer it. But with that, uh, we will uh, we'll play a song. And uh, let's see. Let's do this one. This is a good one. Shabbat Shalom, brothers and sisters. One, two, one, two, three, four. Prepare the way.
Calling us in 